And so while I'm going to be talking about money today, I'm also going to be talking about how you give yourselves to God. So first I'm going to talk about how you give yourself to the Lord, how we give money to the Lord and how we can give our talent to the Lord as well. So some of us were born with a very giving nature and some of us weren't. My husband has to hold me back because I will give away the farm. Like I am constantly, where can we give? Who can we give? What can we do? And Fabian's like, hold up. You can't be giving all my money away. And I said, baby, it's our money. It's not just your, it's our money. While I sit at a desk in a computer air conditioned office and he's in the heat slaving away body sanding cars and stuff, but it's still our money, right? Can I get an amen ladies? Yes. But he has to slow me down and say, wait, did you pray about this? Did you ask Jesus? Because Kevin Lill, who's a prophet who comes in here and ministers uh, to us and with us all the time, was having dinner with Fabian and I one time. And he's like, Marlene, you operate very heavy in the gift of mercy, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. He goes, and it gets you in trouble sometimes, doesn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it does. And he tells Fabian, I'm trying to help you out, brother. I'm trying to help you out. So when I want to give the farm away, Fabian's like, hold up. Is this Marlene or is this Jesus talking? Did you have a conversation with Jesus? Which is what we should do all the time. So some of us are born with the nature of giving and some of us aren't. The good thing is that what I've learned throughout my walk with Christ is that when we aren't born with a specific nature, the good news is that when we're born again, we develop that nature of God. Okay, and God is a giver. He gave the greatest, biggest, most wonderful gift, which is eternal life through his son, Jesus. And so when we get born again, two things happen. We're either instantaneously converted and that nature just comes in and it's, it's evident or it has to be disciplined. It has to be developed. It has to be cultivated. And with that, I just want to uh, honor my husband and I want to introduce him. This is my husband over here. We're matching today the guy in the pink shirt. Shout out to my boo. I did say boo. I'm 50 and he's still my boo. But my husband spent many years praying for me and praying with me. He spent many years um, contending for me and contending with me. Thanks, honey. He said many, many years. He partnered with God to cultivate me in my life. And so before I move on with giving, I want to talk to you wives and I want to say, cultivate your husbands, pray for them and pray with them, contend for them and contend with them. And the same thing for husbands, pray for your wives. I remember, see, I grew up in a rough childhood. I grew up really, I'm not, I was not born this refined woman of God that you see today. <laughs> I actually grew up in a really rough neighborhood and I had a really hard childhood. And so there were a lot of things that didn't come naturally to me. There were a lot of things that didn't come easy for me. And I remember waking up one day and I was like, wow, like I'm, I like turned into such a nice person. Like, when did that even happen? I wake up happy where before I'm not kidding you. I'd wake up angry every day. I would wake up mad at the world just because I had to get up. And Fabian's always been a real happy-go-lucky person. Good morning. How are you? And I'm like, don't talk to me. It's literally, haven't had my coffee yet. I'm, I, but it was literal that bad. And then one day I woke up and it's like, hey, I'm happy. Like, this is so cool. I was like, honey, look what the Lord has done. And he's like, girl, I've been praying for you for like 15 years. And I said, Good job. Keep doing it. 
So I said all of that to say, cultivate your husbands and wives. It really does matter and it really does work. There's some things that we're born with. There's something that we're given instantaneously when we give our lives to Christ. And there's some things that have to be developed and cultivated. Okay. So maybe giving isn't your easy part. Maybe giving doesn't come naturally to you. Maybe giving yourself, your money, or your talent you struggle with. But good news is it can be developed. It can be cultivated. All it takes is a yes in your heart. All it takes is to identify, you know what? I have a, I have a trouble with giving. God, I want to be giving because we want to be like Jesus. We want to have the nature of God inside of us. And part of the nature of God is giving. And so when I fully allowed Jesus into my life, when I gave him my heart and my mind and totally surrendered, then I was able to change. Then things happened. Then things began to cultivate it, began to cultivate. And the same thing can happen for you. We've all started this journey with Jesus. Or if you haven't started it, today's your day. We're going to give you an opportunity before you leave today to tell Jesus, I don't know what this looks like. I'm not even sure what this is supposed to feel like, but I have a yes and amen in my heart. Okay, we'll give you that opportunity today. But a lot of us in the room have made that decision and made that choice. And the good news is that there are personality traits and characters inside of us that can be cultivated. And so the first thing we're going to talk about is giving of ourselves. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, verse 3. Because before you give your money or before you give your gifts and abilities, God wants your heart. He wants your mind. He wants your body. He wants it all. And so we're going to talk about first giving of ourselves before we give anything else to the Lord. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1, this is Paul speaking, and he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your what? Reasonable service. It doesn't say you can't do this. Watch out. It's going to be really hard. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so difficult to present your bodies. It says it's reasonable. It's doable. Okay. So verse two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse three, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So the first thing I want to talk about is verse one. If you can go back to verse one, this says, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. One of the cultures that we cultivate here in Rock City Church is a, is a culture of purity. From our singles to our young adults to our youth, we are constantly talking and and teaching about living a life of purity. How your body in and of itself belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. When you say yes and amen to Jesus, you say, first and foremost, I give it to you. And we talk a lot about sex in the context of sex in the system of the world. And yes, we're talking about sex on a Sunday morning service. Because this is Rock City Church. Welcome to Rock City Church. But here's the thing, guys, is that the system of this world tells you it's okay to hook up and shack up and sleep around and do the things. Just have protected sex and don't worry about it. And hey, if you get pregnant, there's an easy way out. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. I don't know why I got so passionate about that, but I did. And here's the truth. 
the truth is that your body is not your own and sex is amazing and it's beautiful and it's glorious and it's wonderful in the context of marriage. Anything outside of that is not ordained by God. So you have this guy that you hook up with or this chick that you hook up with, this girl or this dude or whatever you want to call it, and then you break up and you're over here. For, I don't know what happened. I know what happened. You gave yourself away to a lover that wasn't yours. So you have all these young adults and singles that are going through many divorces, many divorces, many divorces, because scripture says that when the two have sex, they become one. And it's not a body thing only. It is a spirit thing as well. So when you break up with your boo who you've been sleeping with and you're not married to, and then all of a sudden you're dying and it's horrible and you're, you feel like you're going through a divorce, it's because there's a ripping of the spirit. And then we step in as a body of Christ and say, we need to cut those soul ties. Okay? So the first thing that we do is present our body to Christ. We present our body as a living sacrifice. It's not yours anymore. When you said yes and amen, you said yes and amen. Okay? The second thing is that our mind, oh, I want to talk about this real quick because I almost passed it and Holy Spirit said, don't forget. So the other thing that we present is that we have a responsibility to take care of the temple of God. Okay. We have an obligation to take care of this temple. And let me tell you, you can tell I struggle with that. Okay. Like I'm, can I just be real? Can I be real for a minute? I'm married to a Hispanic guy who loves tacos. No lie. I'm just saying, tacos three, four, five times a day. I tell him, honey, we cannot eat Mexican food every day. And he said, Marlene, we're Mexican. It's just food. And I said, baby, I can't have these tortillas and fried potatoes and refried beans. And he's like, give me all you got. So I said that to say it's a struggle for me. And the Lord had been dealing with me for two years. I would try and then stop and try it. In the first service, I almost called it disobedience. And I guess it, in some ways it was disobedience, but I was trying. I just wasn't trying really hard. How many of us do that? Well, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this, but I'm just going to do it, you know, just to do it. I'm going to try to present my body as a living sacrifice. But when a guy says, oh, you're cute, I'm going to be like, yay. <laughs> Is it true? Why girls? Oh, that's a whole nother story. Why do we turn our head with every hey? Just saying. So, super normal, natural, when things happen that are outside the natural realm, I'm sitting at my computer and I get this email that says, hey, I'd like to have lunch with you or, or have coffee with you. And I just so happen to be at my computer when it happened. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's meet for coffee. And so I meet for coffee with this girl who's new to Rock City and, and wants to learn and really wants to know what it is to give her all to the Lord. And I, you know, we're having this conversation. And then I said, hey, what do you do for a living Talked about the Jesus stuff. Now let's talk about us, personal stuff. What do you do for a living? And she says, I'm a trainer, a personal trainer. And then Marlene starts to cry. Because <laughs> those of you who know me well know I cry for everything. And I start to cry. And I'm, I'm sure she's thinking like, this lady has lost her mind. <laughs> and I got a Holy Spirit download. And I heard the Lord say, you wouldn't go to a trainer. So I brought a trainer to you. Yeah. Trust. That's what I said. So now I'm in the gym. I'm working it out, literally working it out, working it out. Okay. And so I struggle 
and I keep starting over and I keep starting over and I keep starting over. But when I first went into the gym and I was first working out, it was like, I got to throw up. I'm going to pass out. I'm all dizzy. I'm seeing spots. Okay, what are we doing? Wait, we got to do this four more times. Hold up. I would go leave and do my little Facebook selfies. Hi, guys, I'm fixing to throw up. And then I learned something. I learned to invite Jesus into the gym with me. See, here's the thing that he goes everywhere you invite him. Okay. So when you're struggling with not giving your body away or you're struggling with giving your body away, invite him into that situation. Okay. When you're struggling to live healthy and live better. How many of you know, hashtag strong is a new skinny. I don't want to be skinny. I want to be strong because I got a race to run. I just came back from Mexico The Lord's going to send me throughout Central and South America, and my body's got to live up to my destiny. My body's got to keep up with my calling. Okay? I can't, I'm not doing it just because it's vanity. It's because I got a race to run, and if I can't walk, how am I going to run? So I go in the gym, and we do these ropes, and we do these kettlebell swings, and we do these deadlifts, and I walk out, and my hip's out of place, and I'm like, okay, my hip's up, and this one's down. How does this work? Like, how did that happen? And then we do the ropes. How many of you have been to the gym and done the ropes? Yeah. So the guy, you know, they get there and they're like, pop, 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 pop. Jeff does that. I don't do that. I'm not like pop, pop, pop. I'm like pop, 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 pop. But I'm doing it. And now I could do it where I don't have to stop and I don't feel like I'm going to throw up afterwards. But one day I decided to go in the gym and I was like, God, I can't do this. Like this is so hard in the natural. I can't do it. I need supernatural strength. I need you to do this with me. Would you please come into my workout? Because he cares about what you care about. So then I got those ropes. I'm not even standing up. I'm kneeling down because I can't even stand up yet. I'm not at that level. But I'm getting those ropes and I'm like, J-E-S-U-S, J-E-S-U, Jesus is right there with me. And then there's some points I'm like, Jesus, I'm not doing that out loud, but I'm doing that in my head, right? Jesus. And then it gets to where I'm like, J-E-S-U-S, but I'm doing it. Jesus is doing it with me because I'm surrendering my body. I'm giving it as a, trust me, it's a sacrifice. When I go into the gym and I want to throw up and pass out and I'm seeing blue spots and my husband wants to go eat tacos afterwards, it is a sacrifice. (laughs) So he wants our bodies. He wants us to say yes to him. He wants us to live healthy, live strong. He wants us to be able to endure the race that he's given to us. The next thing is our our attitude. Let's look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, for I say, oh... Back up. We need, to do ver- we need to do our mind. Let's do verse two real quick. Sorry, I got, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So we've surrendered our body. Now we have to surrender our mind. We have got to be in a place to where we have the mind of Christ and the things that are just and honest and noble and trustworthy and of good report that we meditate on those things. And here's the thing. We had this little Bible song when I used to teach Sunday school. You remember it? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. And we think, oh, that's a cute Bible study. No, that's a way of life. Because if you want the mind of Christ, you've got to be careful with your eye gates and your ear gates and what you allow in and what you allow in. 
okay? So if we're watching all these rated R movies and there's all these people having sex with one another or we're watching pornography and then we want to give our body as a sacrifice, we have to protect our mind. We have to protect our ears. So I'm not saying, in our house, I was uber religious when the kids were growing up and I had this, it's true, my son jokes about it. He's a comedian. He talks about it all the time. But it's true. Uh, didn't know the better way. Now I know a better way. But I used to say no secular music in the house. And I had a child who I could see their personality, character training, changing. They were like mad all the time, sad all the time, like upset. And I was like, Lord, what is this? What is happening? And then I found out they're listening to this death metal, rawr, 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 suicide. Rawr, rawr. It was suicide music. Why wouldn't she be acting that way? It's in here. They put it in your ears and then it gets in your head and then that's what you think. So we do have an eye gate and an ear gate that we have to monitor in discipline so that we can live the mind of Christ. And we have to read the word because most of the stuff we get from the system of the world is lies to draw us away from the Lord. But when we get in the word and we're careful what we watch and what we hear, then we can see the truth and the good report and the trustworthy and the honest. We can see those things, but it's called discipline and we have to cultivate that in our lives. Just cut out something. Start with one thing. Cut out Dr. Phil. I don't know. I like Dr. Phil. I can't always watch him. He's not a real doctor. So my son says. But I'm just saying, do something to help you maintain the mind of Christ. Then when your mind is right, your body follows what your mind says. So if you're watching pornography and you're like, oh, but I'm not giving my body away. Eventually the body follows. You fall into temptation and you will give away what belongs to the Lord. The next thing is our emotions. Let's look at our attitudes. Let's look at verse three. Verse three says, for I say, though the grace, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. It's to be humble and to be faithful at all times, not to think yourself because we know the Lord and we've been blessed and we have all these amazing things doesn't make us a better person than anybody else. And to always be humble before the Lord. And to, I'm here to tell you this morning that your attitude matters. Right. How you treat people and how you respond to things matter. Right. I have my daughter, my youngest daughter was set to go on the Brazil mission team. And she had time off that she had accumulated, but they wouldn't approve her time off. Now, my daughter is mission minded. She's been on the mission field, loves it, recently married about four years ago, has a family. And this was going to be her first trip back out since having a family. We sat down and had a conversation and I said, you can do both. You can be a mother and be mission-minded at the same time. So she really felt like this was my time. And then her job said, you can't take off. She had the time accumulated, but they didn't honor her request. And so on Monday morning, she has to walk back into work and work among the people who didn't let her go. And so I sent her a text and said, remember everything you do, you do to the Lord, not to man. So have a good attitude, love well, smile, treat people good, even if you don't agree with them. Because your attitude will either draw people to Christ or push them away. 
Okay, so we often have agendas that we put our agendas out on Facebook and it's good to have agendas. It's good to stand for things. But how do we stand for things? Is it drawing people to the Lord or is it pushing them away? Okay, one thing about Rock City is we are pro-life minded for sure. We do not believe in abortions. We believe in adoption. We believe in other things, but we are, we are pro-life minded. But that doesn't mean we go on Facebook and bash people because of their opinions or how they feel. We're very careful about what we say and how we say it and that everything we say gives life and brings love because you can change someone's opinion and someone's mind by speaking truth and love that gives life. Amen. So your attitude matters. So we can give our mind to Christ. We can give our body to Christ and we can give our attitude to Christ. It's called dying to self. You don't have to say what you're thinking or what you're feeling. If it's going to hurt or disrespect or dishonor someone else. Let's move on. The next thing I want to talk about is our money. So aside from surrendering ourselves completely to God, I think the second hardest thing for us to surrender and to give to him most often is our finances. And I'm not sure why that is exactly. Maybe it's a trust issue. Maybe it's a heart issue. Maybe we've seen church people or other leaders misuse money, or maybe we feel like we just don't have enough to spare. The thing that I've learned about money is that it's not really ours to begin with. If we, if we look at Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, the scripture says that the fullness, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, or all that fills it in the world and those who dwell therein. So the earth is the Lord and all its fullness, everything in the world and everything on the earth belongs to the Lord, including our finances. And so if we look at it from that perspective, that it wasn't even mine to begin with, how can we not give some of it back? Because here's the thing, he's made us managers and stewards over the finances that he's blessed us with. So if we look at it from that perspective, he's blessed us with this to manage and steward and supervise, how can we not give some of it back? And so there's several scriptures that talk about how we should not feel about money. And we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we'll, we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with this, with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. When we were a newly married couple, my husband and I have been married about 25 years now. He said this prayer to the Lord. He said, Lord, please don't ever make me poor that I feel like I need to steal to provide for my family. But don't make me so wealthy that I forget that I need you. Everything we do, whether riches or not riches, whether we don't have or we do have, we have to learn to live de solely dependent on God completely dependent on God. And this verse 10 is a scripture that um, I think is one of the most misquoted scriptures that I hear all the time. You often hear people say that money is the root of all evils. But the truth is that it's the love of money. Right. And the scripture says it's the root of all kinds 
of evil. So when you love money and you make it an idol, when you love and trust money more than you love and trust God, it's become an idol in your life. You're dependent on that money more than you're dependent on God. And let me tell you, scripture is clear that God is going to take care of his sons and daughters. Hear me this morning. God is going to take care of you. When you've said the yes and amen in your heart, he will take care of you. It is in his word and his word does not come back void. Basically what that means is if you're in a financial struggle or something's happening and you know what the scripture says that a, he will not, you'll never see the righteous hungry or forsaken or begging for bread or, or if he took care of the sparrows, why would he not take care of you? You declare those words. You decree that scripture out. And here's the thing that scripture says is that when you send that word out, it has to go and complete what you sent it to do. It can't come back empty handed. If you speak the word out, it has to go and work on your behalf. So the truth is that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So when you love, trust, and hold money before you love, trust, and hold on to God, then you've made money your idol. Keeping in mind, Psalms 24, 1, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in it, including our money. We are not to consider money our own. Now comes the amazing part is God isn't asking, nor does he want all of your money. He merely wants you to freely and cheerfully give back to him. He wants you to have a desire to give. In the Old Testament, uh, when they first talk about the tithe, they talked about a 10%. And I can only talk about what my husband and I do because it's, it's my life, it's my story, it's my testimony. And I can tell you, we give a 10% of our tithe and every, of our income and everything above that we consider an offering. That's just what we do. That's what the Lord's purposed in our heart. That's what we're convicted about. But you can ask the Lord. See, here's the thing in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, in the New Testament, there is not a requirement for you to give a certain percentage. But it is required that we give. It says, so let each one give. It doesn't say, so if you give. It says, let each one give. Uh, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. So in the old Testament, there was a standard in a bar, but in the new Testament, he's like, just purpose in your heart and give it freely and give it cheerfully, but just give it's not ours to begin with. We're just managers and stewards of it. And what are we going to do with what he's blessed us with? We have this saying that we like to say all the time is that we're blessed to be a blessing. You know, I totally believe in the stock market. I totally believe in retirement, 501, 401ks. I forgot what they're called. 401ks, life insurance. We have it. We do it. But before we do any of that, from my household, and again, I can only speak for myself, our first fruits come off the top. Before we invest, before we save, before we go anywhere, we give back to the Lord. And here's the thing. Let's look at Luke I believe it's 638 or 628. 38. The good thing about the Lord, one of the many good things about the Lord is that when he gives you instructions or asks you to do something, there's always a blessing and a reward that comes with it. Okay. So Luke 638 says, give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running 
over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. So he says, give, give freely, give cheerfully, give what's purposed in your heart. And then he says, when you do give, it's going to be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Every time I hear that shaken together, I think when you go in the river and you look for gold and you shake it and all the junk goes out and you only get the very best of what God has for you. That's what I think about. So he just says, give, give what is purposed in your heart. Give what you, what, what I'm asking you, give cheerfully, give freely. And then when you do, he doesn't say, if you give $5, I'm going to give you $5 back. If you give $20, I'm going to give you $20 back. He says, if you give, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I don't know about you, but I want a running over blessing. The Malachi says, prove me now. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse and prove me, test me. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. And let me tell you what happens when we get into a financial struggle. We own our own body shop. We don't get paid weekly. We don't get paid monthly. We get paid by the job and when it's done or stages of the job. So we might go three weeks without finances. We might go six weeks. We might go three months without finances. So there are times when it's, finances are tight for us. But when those times comes, I go to my quiet place and I go to my secret place and I'm like, Papa, okay, we're kind of struggling here. Like we need to do this stuff and I don't see how we can do that. But remember, God, your word says, and I've been faithful. See, I can give that report because I have been faithful. I can say, God, I've been faithful. And your word says that when you give, you're going to give back to me. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. God, I need that pressed down. I need it to be shaken together, and I need some running over. But if you don't have that in your bank, if you don't have that in your belt, if you don't have that tool, you can't use it. So Ryan said it best this morning. When you give, it really, yes, we pay the lights, we pay the AC, we do that. But when we teach you to give and you get the concept of giving, you're the one who's really blessed. It's your blessing, your household that gets multiplied. It's you that receive the benefit from it. Yes, we pay the lights. Yes, we pay the bills. Yes, we do those things. But when you learn to operate in the spirit of giving and the nature of giving, it comes back to you more than anything that you could ever imagine. And when it says give, it does, never does it say it gives money here, does it? Money's part of it, but it never says money. God can give you things that are priceless that money could never buy. I gave an example in the first service. Last week, I was sitting on this row, and I looked over, and the front row was all my adult children who are the ages of 28 to, I don't know, I lose count, 31 or 32. I forget what year it is and how old they are. But I looked over, and all my adult children are sitting on the front row. That is priceless. That is priceless. And every one of them are operating in some form or another in ministry here. I could never buy that. But because I had been faithful and I cultivated their lives and we spoke and were an example. And one of the things we were an example about was giving. We always gave. We always made sure they knew that we gave. And when they come to us and say, mama, can we borrow 50 bucks? Because, you know, that happens sometimes. Any of you mamas out there get your kids that say, can I borrow 50 bucks? Or maybe 100, 200, 500. I don't know. We lend our children money and then we say, are you tithing? Are you giving what's the Lord's? Just making sure. We don't just say, here's the money, go do whatever. We're like, there's a principle involved here. 
So when we give, it's given back to us, not just financially, but in ways that we could never imagine or ever account for. I can't tell you that my children are on the front row because I, can, because I gave, but I can tell you partly my kids are on the front row because I've been faithful to the Lord, and a part of that has been my giving. So the next thing I want to talk about are your talents. Let's look at Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And talents, when I talk about talents in this scripture, it's referencing money, but it can also reference your gifts and your abilities. And sometimes we think, well, I don't have any talents. No, we all have talents. We all have gifts. We all have abilities. If you feel like you don't have any, it just means that they're unidentified and undiscovered. And we can help you identify and discover those. We want to help cultivate everything that God has for you and in you. That's what part of being a tribe is. That's what part of being a family is, is we welcome you. We love you. We receive you. And then how can we help you grow and walk into the fullness of everything that God has for you? Because let me tell you, when I came here, I really thought I was walking in the fullness. Whoa. Sorry. Oh, overflow. I should do that again. No, I'm just kidding. And I come to learn when I came that I was so much more that I needed to learn and I did learn and I'm continuing to learning. Because let me tell you what, we never fully arrive. We just get better and better. So we're going to talk about the talents this morning. And God has been given, has given generously in distributing gifts to his sons and daughters. And so the servants in this parable were each given talents according to their ability. And we're going to look at this and it's going to be a little bit of reading. So please just bear with me and follow with me. It's Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30. I sound like I'm in a can. Does anybody else hear that? Is it just me? Okay. Sorry. I'm not in a can. It sounds like a can to me. I don't know. Okay, back to business. Matthew 25, 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went uh, on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he had received five talents. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to them five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things I will make you ruler over many things, enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground and look, there you have what is yours. 
But his, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not gathered, scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. And so I'm going to stop there. And here's the thing, guys, is that the Lord has distributed generously to each one of us, his sons and daughters talents. He's given us according to our abilities. Each servant has potential. Potential is what we called undeveloped skill. So God has given us the talents and we have the potential to develop them. I was really thinking about Nathan during this, uh, when I was getting this uh, message together, because I thought about Nathan being a guitar player and how he was really gifted from birth to play guitar. Anybody else here gifted musically? Like you just can do it. Like my son plays drums and Moni sings and not me or their father are musically gifted. And so, you know, it comes from the Lord. It only comes from the Lord. And so what Nathan had a responsibility before the Lord to develop a skill. You could play, but he could be jamming in his room, but he really took time and developed and gave his talent and gave his gift and gave his ability and he surrendered it to the Lord. When we have conferences, he's doing him among, along with all the other worship team who participate, they'll do a conference and we'll do six services in like three or four days. I mean, they're like back to back to back to back services. In May, we did morning and evening, morning and evening, morning and evening, morning and evening, evening, evening. We did like eight services and he surrendered his talent and his gift to the Lord. So he invests what he has and the ability and the gifts that he has and he surrenders them. He gives them back to the Lord because God gave them to him to begin with. And then he gives them back and then he invests in other people. He teaches other people how to play the guitar and he then develops that talent. And what he does is reproduces himself. So the investment God gave him, he turns around and sows into it. And then he gives it to other people to where there may have been one person who developed his skill. And now there's two and there might be three and there might be four and there might be five. I think about my husband, the same thing. My husband does custom cars. He's a painter and he has a skill and this talent that are, that are not very common. And early on when we were young, he used to, we used to have young painters that would come and say, show me how to do that. Show me how to lay designs and graphics and spray candy and spray flake. And, you know, I want to know how to do this custom work. How do you do that? And he would say, come to the shop and I'll teach you. Now, mind you, this is a gift that God gave him that he's willing to invest into other people. And as young, when I was young, I didn't really understand. And I was like, honey, like, don't show everybody how to do your stuff. Like, that's how we make money. And he said, honey, if I teach them this gift, that can put food on this man's table. It can feed his family. How can I not teach them the gift that I've been so freely given? So I'm asking, what is the potential inside you? Are you living in the gift and the ability that God's given you? Are you developing it and are you giving it back to him? And are you reproducing yourself in other people? Are you returning it back to the Lord? It, when the Lord comes and says, Ryan, I taught you how to be a speaker. I taught you how to preach the word. Who did you reproduce yourself to? What did you do with the talent and that gift I gave you? Is he going to say good and faithful servant? Because when you're faithful with the little, he's going to give you much. Right. If you're only getting $100 a week on a paycheck and you can't give God 10, but you're praying for 1,000, come on. Can I get one amen? Yeah. It's, I'm serious. 
If you have a gift and a talent and you want so desperately to do things, but you're not giving it back to the Lord, how do we expect a return? We're going to get two answers. We can get one of two responses. Good and faithful servant or lazy and wicked. I don't know about you, but Jesus, I want the good and faithful. I want to give back what you gave me and then some. I want to reproduce and invest in the people of God. Not just money, but in people. People are worth it. People are worth it. How did you get to where you're at today? Somebody invested in your life. So let's get right. Let's present our bodies and our mind and our hearts and our attitude as a living sacrifice. And then let's reproduce what God has given us. Let's invest. Let's give it back to the Lord and invest in what God has given us. So when the master comes back and settles his account, he can be pleased with our success. That we're not just going to give him back what he gave us. Oh, here's this. We're going to say, here's this, and then here's this, and 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 this. Because we live a long time. How many of you, uh, there was a song, I always like to sing. I don't sing good, but I always like to sing. I get these downloads of songs just dropped in my head. But there was a song we used to sing way back in the day. Somebody prayed for me, prayed for me. They took the time and prayed for me. (laughs) Y'all remember that song? I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. That means they invested in me. They sowed seed into my life. They saw something valuable or they loved me so much that they said, we're going to give to her. So somebody prayed for you. Somebody invested in your life. Somebody loved you so much. They say, I see something in him. I see something in her. So I'm going to invest in that. So I want to ask you today, who are we investing in? Who are we giving our talents to? Who are we giving our money to? Who are we giving our heart and our mind to? First and foremost, it has to be the Lord. It has to be. And then second is each other. We're a family. We call each other a tribe. So the master also contemplated, well done, good and faithful servant, he said to them. Then he came to the third servant who hid what had been entrusted with because he was what? Does anybody know why he hid it? I can't hear you. He was afraid, fear. Man, it can be paralyzing, can't it? Fear of what? I don't measure up. Fear that I'm going to make a mistake. Fear that I'm wrong. Fear that I can't. Fear that I'm not good enough. Amber gave a really good message yesterday about walking out in freedom at the women's. How many of you came to Flourish yesterday? Hey, wasn't that good? Man, we had some intimate but powerful worship. Mark your calendars. Uh, We're having the August conference, which is the 16th through the 20th. Brad McClendon will be here. Michael Miller, Stephen All, some amazing uh, ministers of the word. But women, we have two sessions. Thursday, the 17th at 7 p.m. P.m. I got real southern real quick. 7 p.m. And then Saturday, the 19th at 10 a.m. So mark your calendars. You want to be here. And we had a really special time yesterday with Amber. And she talked about when we listen to the lies of the enemy and when we walk in fear and how we can't walk out our true destiny when that happens. 
And so this one servant who was given the one talent was afraid. He was afraid of the master and he hid it. And then the Lord comes back and calls him wicked and lazy because he never made an investment. He never made an effort to invest with what had been entrusted to him. It was because of his laziness that he had not, that, it, that what he had was taken away from him because he had never made an investment with the talent that was given to him. I wrote here, why did man who was given one talent hide his talent because of fear? Why don't we go all in and surrender completely to God because of fear? Why is it so hard for us to give our money, especially when we don't see how we're going to make ends meet? It's because of fear. So let me tell you, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So if we're afraid to give all, if we're afraid to surrender all, if we're afraid to give our money, it means that we have yet to understand the perfect will of God. And while that means that we, there's an area in our life that we need to grow and that we need to mature, I want to tell you that there's hope for each one of us here because God loves us so much that when we ask him and we invite him into those areas of our life, every area, our financial area, our body, mind, and attitude area, our talents area, into the gym, he's so faithful and good that he walks right in with you. So if you're walking in an attitude of fear and you're just not sure, I don't know, I've never done this before, I don't know what it looks like, I can't surrender completely, I can't give my money, I can't give my time and talents, I don't know what that looks like, I want you to start to begin to ask God to give you an understanding of his perfect love for you. Not the perfect love you have for others, but the perfect love that he has for you as a son and as a daughter, because when you know that love and you operate that love, fear can't stay. And fear cannot torment you anymore. Mind you, it says fear torments you. And so when we know God's perfect love for us, then we can be free to truly live in a lifestyle of giving, operate in the nature of giving, operate in the spirit of giving, be truly transformed into sons and daughters in the likeness of Christ. Talking about producing a harvest, talking about producing a crop, talking about producing a reward on your investment. So I'm gonna ask you to stand this morning and I'm gonna bring the prayer part.